All right, storytellers. We are in a series called Storytellers, taking a look at the life of Joseph. Uh, a biblical resource that I use often summarizes these nine chapters in about five minutes. So I'm going to do that. So just give, me, just give me a few minutes to just give you a little overview. Some of you that are, are uh, not familiar with Scripture, some of you that are new. Uh, so Joseph was the second youngest of 12 brothers born to Jacob, who was called Israel. And in Genesis 37, we read, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age and made an, an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to their brother. The same passage also discusses two dreams Joseph had that angered his brothers. The dreams indicated his brothers would someday bow to him. Joseph's brothers also despised him due to their father's favoritism towards him as well. So one day, Joseph traveled to check on his brothers while they were watching their sheep. His brothers plotted against him and wanted to kill him, but instead they, desired, they decided to throw him into a well and sold him into slavery to some Midianites, applying animal blood to his ornate robe. They returned home and made Jacob believe his son had been killed by wild animals. So, uh, so I don't know what kind of uh, you know, sibling rivalries maybe you had uh, with your siblings growing up, but I probably guarantee you no one threw you in a pit or sold you to slavery. So it wasn't that bad, I guess. In part one, we talked about how betrayal hurts so much because we can only be betrayed by people that we trust. The only people that can... That can uh, uh, be, be betrayed by is, is the people we trust. But we also said that ultimately the pit of betrayal can still produce the purposes of God. So in the meantime, Joseph, Joseph was taken to Egypt and sold to the captain of the guard, Potiphar, as a household slave. Joseph was later falsely accused of attempting to rape Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. So in part two, we said that your character isn't just revealed in the big moments, but also the small moments throughout life when no one else is looking. That's when your character is revealed. So Joseph is thrown into prison, but then is put in charge of the prisoners, even though he is a prisoner himself. He meets a baker and a cupbearer, who are also in prison and have dreams, but no one understands the meaning of them. Joseph, by God's wisdom, interprets the dreams. He tells the cupbearer that you're going to be fine and that you will be restored. The baker, on the other hand, Joseph says, you will have your head cut off, hang on a tree, and the birds will eat away at your flesh. I would prefer much the cupbearer's interpretation than the baker's. So Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him in prison, and so the cupbearer goes free. Two years pass by, and Pharaoh has a disturbing dream that no one can interpret. The cupbearer remembers, hey, there was this guy named Joseph that interpreted my dream and encourages him to come so that he would interpret Pharaoh's dream. Joseph is the only one that can interpret this dream, so he's summoned from prison. 
And he interprets Pharaoh's dreams in such a powerful way that he was appointed second in command of Egypt. So Pharaoh's dream is, is predicted that seven years of famine is about to take place. And during the famine, Joseph's older, older brothers came, come to Egypt to buy food because they're affected by this famine. They did not recognize Joseph, even though Joseph recognized them. So now 22 years older, Joseph pretends that he thinks his brothers are spies when he really knows they're not. Joseph kept one brother in prison until the other brothers brought their youngest brother, Benjamin, back to Egypt to prove they were not spies. They brought Benjamin with them on a return trip, and after a series of twists that include his brothers bowing before him, which Joseph actually had, had uh, told them in fulfillment of Joseph's dreams long ago, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and they were shocked, yet soon glad to be reunited. Joseph sent word for his entire family to join them in Egypt until after the famine. Later, when their father Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers feared that Joseph would take revenge against them for their prior treatment of him. They come to Joseph and beg for his forgiveness, thinking like, okay, now dad's dead. Now Joseph is really going to share how he feels about us. And it's going to come back at us. So they beg his forgiveness, and, and, and Joseph weeps when he heals, hears their appeal and basically says, revenge was the last thing on my mind. So Joseph's forgiveness was genuine, was genuine. So we're focusing on redemption this morning. Redemption means to free someone from bondage. Redemption always means the payment of a price to secure release. Originally, the release of a prisoner of war. The word came to be used also of the release of a slave and sometimes of a person under the sentence of death. So people who sin become slaves of sin. So we are born into sin. All right. No one has to, to, tell, uh, to teach a two-year-old how to be selfish. They automatically know how to do that because we are born with this sin in us. They cannot free themselves from that slavery. So Christ's death on the cross was the payment of a ransom price by which sinners are set free. And redeemed people should live like free people. So that's my question to you today. Are you living in the freedom that Jesus has given you? Are you living in that freedom? Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian put into a concentration camp by Germans in World War II for helping Jews escape. She suffered and was humiliated on a daily basis. She wasn't afraid to share the pain she endured after she got out from the concentration camp, but she also shared about how God was at work through it all. Through it all. One German guard was especially cruel to her, and she remembered clearly his face 
and the sound of his voice. Well, several years after the war, she was speaking at a church service about forgiveness. When afterwards, an old man stepped forward. She recognized him. It was that one cruel guard. He told her he had become a Christian since the end of the war. And he said, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me, he asked. Corey said, I had to take the man's hand. I knew that I, I, knew that I had to take his hand. I told myself, I can lift my, hat, my hand as an act of obedience. I can do that much. But Jesus, you have to help me through this. And as I reached out my hand, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She says, I have never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. That, my friends, is what redemption is all about. So I'm going to make two points this morning. And you say, why two points? Well, the NCAA tournament's on. So, no, just, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, we have a powerful uh, sh a story of redemption from someone in the bridge that's going to share their story um, at the very end. And then we're going to take uh, family communion as well. Uh, so I want to make sure that we, we leave enough time. So point number one, through redemption, God can turn your selfishness into servanthood. God can turn your selfishness into servanthood. When the cupbaker and cupbearer and the and the baker are in prison, Genesis 44 <clears throat> says, the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of them. And he served them. And they continued to be in custody for some time. Notice that Joseph is once again put in a position of authority. But handles it totally different this time. You see, Joseph's father had given him authority over his brothers. But he did not use his leadership role as an occasion to serve them. I believe this is where Joseph had earlier failed in his relationship with his brothers. Joseph had a lot of time in prison, not once, not twice. Joseph must have reflected on his anger his brothers displayed toward him. He must have perceived it was the way he exercised his authority over them that enraged them. The first thing they did was to strip his robe from him. Signifies the authority that he had been given. They must have taunted him about his dreams. You know, you think about them working in the fields, and, you know, it says, it says that when Joseph came the one time, he wasn't working in the fields. You know, he was like this diva with his robe, you know. That's, I'm not doing manual labor, you know. 
wearing his skinny jeans and his slipper shoes. By the way, these are like real shoes. They're not just like slippers up here. Just don't want you to think anyways. I was, I was lazy this morning, okay? I'm, this, this is swag, swag. So Joseph had plenty of time to reflect on his brother's anger toward them, and justfully so. Joseph came to understand that a position of power and authority is a place of service, not of status. Thus, having learned the lesson of servanthood when Joseph was put in charge of the cupbearer and the baker in prison, he used his position to minister to them and to not lord it over them, as one pastor said. In prison, it would have been easy to wallow in self-pity, but instead, Joseph chose to serve people and minister to others. Chose to serve people and minister to others. We can sometimes get so focused on what's happening to us that we forget what others are going through all around us and how we can serve them in the midst of our trials. Are you so focused right now on your situation that you're not seeing the needs of others around you? Listen, I may be going through hell on earth, but I can still make a difference in someone's life. You may be going through hell on earth right now, but you can still make a difference in someone else's life. If Joseph could do it, you can do it. Joseph then serves Pharaoh by interpreting his dreams. And Joseph's words are of great comfort and encouragement to Pharaoh. Joseph wasn't trying to jockey for position. He simply humbled himself and became a servant. And God honored that obedience and blessed him. Do you want God's blessings in your life? Then there needs to be obedience and servanthood. You will never fully experience God's blessings if there's not obedience and servanthood. I guarantee it. So in Genesis 41, 46, it says Joseph was 30 years old, 30 years old, and he is second in charge of all Egypt at 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. 30 years old when he began serving, serving. In 47 and 48, it won't be up on the screen, but it says, During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. God had abundantly provided so famine strikes, and Joseph's brothers show up in desperate need. And what does Joseph do? He serves his brothers. 
He serves his brothers. And in Genesis 42, 25, it says, Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sacks with grain, which is his brother's. But he also gave secret instructions to, to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey. So his brothers come and are in need, and Joseph serves them. So they come, and they come with money because they got no food, and they're like, we're going to give you this money so we can get some food from you. Joseph not only gives them this, his food, but then he puts the money back in their sacks without them realizing it. And then, they, and then they see it, and they're like, man, we're in trouble. What's going on here? Because we remember, we know that we gave the money to get the food, but we got the food and we got the money back. Like, God's doing something here, and, and he, I, wonder, I wonder if, if, if God's going to be punishing us if something's coming back uh, because of what we did to our brother. But through redemption, God turned Joseph's selfishness into servanthood. God turned Joseph's selfishness into servanthood. I've never really, I mean, I've read this story so many times, and, uh, and this really stuck out to me about this whole servanthood thing. How and why we serve matters because who we serve matters. Who you serve matters. I think about leaders in the community who are servants here at the bridge. Do you know that we have a vice president of a power company that wears a Mickey hand, Mickey Mouse hand in the parking lot? Do you know that we have an owner of a local restaurant that takes time to dance with kids and teach them about Jesus and kids' church? Do you know that we have a lieutenant colonel who hands you coffee on Sunday mornings? Do you realize that? People that are in very high uh, positions of authority in our community on base who humble themselves and serve you every single week. You want to know why? Because they serve because God redeemed them. And they just want to give back a small part compared to all that God has given them. So what about you? Can your life be identified as a life of servanthood? Or, or are you just like, well, I, 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 don't do, I don't do that. I don't change dirty diapers. I mean, have you seen the, the house I live in? Have you seen, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm pretty high up there in my company. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't work with babies. No, these people are servants, are servants. And Joseph learned how to be a servant when he set his pride aside and made a difference in people's lives. Do you, do you not think that Joseph made a, a difference in that cupbearer's life when he revealed his dreams? Do you not, do you not think that Joseph made a diff difference when he served his brothers who were, who, were, who were starving to death? Do you not think Joseph made a difference to Pharaoh even though Pharaoh considered himself a god? Because Joseph humbled himself, thousands of lives were saved during that time of the famine. 
True leaders are those who practice servanthood. That's a true leader. And that's someone that I want to follow. What are you doing with the authority God has given you, and are you using that to feel superior or to be a servant? Joseph was different because God redeemed him. When God redeems you, your life looks different. When God redeems you, your life should look different. Listen, if you're redeemed, you're free from your past. Um, ages 15 to 22 in my life were some really rough years. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. It wasn't just me then. So 15 to 22 were some really rough years. I'm, I'm really glad, you know, cell phones really weren't, no one really used cell phones back then. Um, either you had a bag phone in your car or if you did have a cell phone, it was, like, it was like a brick. It was so heavy, you didn't like just carry it in your pocket. I mean, it would have been like, what's that? You know? um, but now they have like GPS on your phones. I'm glad that I didn't have a cell phone where my parents could see where I was at because most of the time I was not at where I told them I was at. And I would have got busted most of the time. But 16 years ago, God redeemed my life when I surrendered to him. And he set me free. And I was no longer a slave to sin. But I was now his child. Yes, I still sin. Surprisingly, I still do that. But I am no longer identified as a sinner. There's a, a, a whole difference between being identified as a sinner who sins and being, being identified as a child of God who occasionally sins. I'll take this any day, man. This is, this is my identity. Even when I mess up, I'm still his kid. He still loves me. And I go back to Ohio every once in a while. Ohio. O-H. Yeah, nailed it, man. Thursday was so weak right there. You guys are ready for it. They got my notes back there. Um, but I go back to Ohio every once in a while, and I see some of my high school friends. And they ask me, they're like, man, you know, what are you doing now? And I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. Now, I can't tell you the exact words they use to share how astonished and shocked they are that I'm a pastor, but you can probably imagine the words they say. Uh, but when God redeemed my life, my life changed, and it looked different. If you are redeemed, if you have been set free, your life should look different after you come to Jesus Christ. If your life right now, if you, say, if you say I love Jesus and your life looks no different right now than what it was before Christ, I have to really question, how, are you really saved? Because if you're saved, your life will be different and you will be changed. You will be changed. You cannot continue to live how you used to live. I mean, just think about it, man. You know, 10, 20 years ago, the, way, the, the things that we did, we didn't, like, we just, would just do them and didn't even, didn't even think about it. Didn't care about it. Didn't think about the people it affected. Now, I mean, man, you cut someone off and you feel bad on the road, you know? Well, maybe some of you do. I don't know. But, like, I mean, like, because I have the Holy Spirit. I have, the, I have God's very presence in my life. So when I step out of bounds, 
man, he, he lets me know because he loves me. I'm his kid. And so he lets me know when I've stepped out of bounds, when, I, when I've done something that hasn't honored him. And I'm so grateful that he did. So Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife, and he has two sons. Joseph named his oldest son Manasseh, which means making to forget. God had caused Joseph to forget all his sufferings at the hands of his brothers. The younger son named Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. So God had caused Joseph to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. He allowed Joseph to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. You may be going through something right now, but it doesn't mean that God still can't produce fruit through that. Amen to that? Joseph had no anger toward God or toward his brothers. This meant when they arrived in Egypt, he could deal with them in love and not in revenge. That God was working in Joseph's heart first before he could do a work in his brother's hearts. Point number two. God wants to redeem you first. God wants to redeem you first. God wants to do a work in your heart before someone else's. We are so focused on God doing a work in other people's hearts when he wants to do a work in your heart first just like he had to do with Joseph before he did a work in his brother's hearts. Joseph, now Joseph messed with his brother some, and if you read his story, you know, you'll, 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 you'll see about, you know, how he put a cup in, uh, he, had, he had someone put a cup in one of his brother's sacks, so when they were going, and then, and then they, they, they caught him, and they said, you know, you stole this cup, but it was all for a purpose, it was all for a reason. But Joseph had repented for what he did, and his brothers needed to repent as well. Joseph wanted restoration with his entire family. Wanted restoration with his entire family. Don't, minis- don't minimize someone else's sin in how it has affected you. Don't downplay the pain and the hurt someone's actions have caused you. We often say, well, it's no big deal what they did to me. Or sometimes we'll say, well, I'll I'll get over that. I'm over it. I'm over it. When we know that it was a big deal and we aren't over it. But it's like we say that to just kind of cope with that hurt and that pain. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. You have to say, that was a sin towards me. It was a sin towards God. It was a sin towards me, and it has affected my life. And it hurt me, and it hurt me deeply. You have to admit that. Because there cannot be restoration without repentance. There cannot be restoration without repentance. You say, well, give me an example. All right, our relationship with God. God died for you. He rose from the dead. He wants to set you free. But if you don't repent, and what's repentance? What repentance is walking this way, 
I'm, 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 I'm going to live the life I want to live, and repentance is doing a, a 180 and running back to God's arms. That's what repentance is. If you never would have repented, repented of your sin, you'd never been restored with God. You think, you think about marriages that have been restored. All right, Pastor Scott and, and Sherry Jennings, you think about their story. You know, they, they oversee our family life at the bridge. But do you know a decade ago they, they, that he was having an affair on her? She was a control freak. Uh, control freak. He was, maybe she controlled feet too, I don't know. But uh, she was a control freak, and um, he was an alcoholic, and they divorced on their anniversary. They divorced on their anniversary. And Scott was driving down a highway, listened to a sermon, pulled off because he was broken. And Sherry had come to the Lord, and he came to the Lord, and they both repented of their sin and were restored. So Joseph knew that he needed to repent for what he did, but his brothers also needed to repent for how they treated him as well. And in Genesis 45, 4 through 15, I'm not going to, I'll put this whole verse on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, your app, Genesis 45, 4 through, 4 through 15. It's when, he, when, when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Joseph said, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here once again, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. You know, I was, I was thinking like, okay, it was God who sent me here. It was God who sold me into slavery, who allowed that to happen. It was God who allowed me to be in prison after Potiphar's wife accused me of trying to sleep with her. It was God who allowed me to be second in command in Egypt here. So he says, now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me. You can be near me. Do, uh, think about that and people in your life. People that have hurt you, do you want them to be near you? No, man. You're like, hey, I'm on the East Coast. How about you live on the West Coast? We never see each other again. You be near me. Joseph desires that relationship, even though what his brothers have done. You can be, be near me with your children and your, grow, your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there. I will. Not only do I want you to be near me, but I'm going to take care of you. 
for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. There's a lot of hard times ahead, but I want you to be near me, and I'm going to take care of you. Otherwise, you, your household, and your animals will starve, and you'll die. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. You know, think about, like, the Egyptians, uh, you know, probably wearing all these, like, these, like, funky little hats and stuff. You know, I think I can think of, I just pictured Joseph, like, taking off this hat and setting it down. And, you know, they wore makeup back then, back then you know, Mary Kay, you know. I can, see that. I can see him just taking all that makeup off, saying, look, it's me. It's me. Go tell my father of my honor position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father back here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. Think about it. Think about right now. Think about that person in your mind right now that caused you harm. Can you picture a day where you could be embracing them and weeping? because of the restoration that God has done. Nothing's impossible with God. God created the, the universe. Do you not think he can restore relationship in your life? God is at work. There is no way this could have happened through the plans of men. This is where Joseph explains the sovereignty of God and the grace of God, and how God is always working to bring good out of evil in your life. The evil that has happened to your life, he can bring good out of that. The sovereignty of God is the biblical teaching that all things are under God's rule and control, and that nothing happens without his direction or permission. Even the bad things happen to you. Even when bad things happen to you, God is still good. God is still good. Joseph is one of the best pictures of Jesus from the Old Testament. And I'm just, I just think in my mind right now, and I, I, I didn't even realize this, but like you think about how Joseph says, I want you to be near me. I want your families to be near me, and I'm going to take care of you. That's what God's done for us. After all that you've done, listen, he knows every sick and messed up thing you have ever done. Not only that, but he knows every sick and messed up thing you've ever thought about doing. And yet he still says, I want you near me. I want you near me, and I'm going to take care of you. We still got... Some tough times ahead, but you stayed near to me, and I'm going to take care of you. He became like a savior to all the peoples of the world at that time, even his brothers. Joseph realizes that God is bringing a redemption to and through him in, in order for the remnant in Israel to receive blessing, hope, and a future. 
God wants to bless you. He wants to give you hope now and forevermore. God can redeem you right now. God can set you free right now on March 20th, 2016. He can do that right now. If you accept him as your Lord and Savior. However, it it may take years, it may take decades for God to redeem and to restore some relationships in your life. Don't forget, 22 years, 22, I'm 37, so that's like more than half my life. 22 years had passed when Joseph was sold into slavery to when he was made ruler over Egypt. We want a quick fix, but our time is not always God's time. We are not patient people, especially now more than ever. You know, we want 22 days, we want 22 hours, we want 22 minutes, the length of, the, the length of a sitcom. i just give you an example how we're very impatient. Waiting in traffic with the construction on Berkeley Boulevard. Can I get a witness? How long, how long are you willing to wait for God to redeem and restore a relationship in your life? Maybe it's with your separated spouse. Maybe you're a parent who haven't, uh, who hasn't talked to one of your children in years, kind of the, just kind of the wayward son or daughter, and there's no relationship at all. You know, you try to raise them in the church, you try to raise them in the way of, of the Lord, and they've totally gone astray and have done their own thing and don't even care. Don't even, don't even care how they've affected the family at all. Just being selfish. Maybe you haven't talked to your mom or dad in a long time because you just have total indifference towards them. Maybe it's a friend, a friend that you used to be close with and you're not anymore. Are you willing to be on this journey? Listen, it could take two years. It could take 22 years. I don't know. I don't know. How long was God willing to wait for us? Do you feel like everything is against you right now? If you are part of God's family, they are not for your destruction, but for your deliverance. They are not meant to be a tragedy, but to be a triumph. And I pray that you realize that God is working for his good and his glory. Because This life is not about you and I. It's about his glory. So if my sufferings are for his glory, then let's do this, God. Let's do it. Because your glory is more important than my comfort. How would your life, your outlook on life, look different if you believe that God was with you in every circumstance of life, how would your outlook look different? With what you're going through right now, God 
I don't know why this is happening, but you're allowing it, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you for your glory. What if people are led to salvation because of your current sufferings? Wouldn't that all be worth it? If someone is led to salvation because of your sufferings and how they see you deal with it, and they see real and genuine and authentic faith, and they be like, man, I know what he or she is going through, and yet they continue to serve Jesus and keep the faith. I want that. I want what they have because I don't have it. Wouldn't that be worth it? If you've surrendered to Jesus, God wants to remind you of what redemption has done in your life. So be reminded that God's redemption has set you free. And if you are free, you are free indeed. And if you don't know Jesus, you can know that today. You can have a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus today. What does redemption give you? This is what redemption gives you. It gives you eternal life. It gives you forgiveness of sins and forgiveness of your past. It makes you right with God. It gives you freedom. It gives you adoption into God's family. It gives you peace with God. You get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is God's very presence that lives inside of you. It sets you apart and gives you rest. Why would you not want that for your life? Why would you not want that? It's your turn to be a storyteller. Someone needs to hear what Jesus has done in you and for you right now. It's your turn to be a storyteller. So who needs to hear your story of redemption? Who needs to hear how God set you free? Let's pray.